that God is an awesome God. God is just so Amen. amazing. I mean, there's nothing greater that we can teach our children, right? Amen. I'm working with the, with the young men and on Wednesday nights and children. It's just a blessing to, to know that God is there for them and we can teach them something of value, something lasting, you know, that, that God's going to be there for them even if, uh, you know, God forbid that their parents leave or something like that, right? And I just want to testify that right now I have a, uh, my wife is at home with our beautiful new daughter, Danielle. Um, Olivia, our other child, is in the back. And, you know, there's so many idols in our lives these days. There's Disney princesses and, and just toys and Christmas coming up. We, we get so caught up in this stuff. We get, we make it so important. We make it so much bigger than all these things that God has already given us that we don't take time to realize that we're blessed. And I just want to share with you guys a verse that I want to teach my daughters that, that I want them to know that they are our daughters of God, that they don't have to worry about being a princess. They don't have to worry about, you know, being a, 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 an American idol. Okay. It's Galatians chapter three, verse 26 says, you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have closed your, clothed yourselves in Christ. Amen? So let's just be blessed and worship God today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for each and every one here. Father God, I pray that your word will pierce hearts today. Father God, that your word will go deep, that we will leave this place, Lord, uh, with a closer, closer relationship with you, Father God. That we will know you more, desire you more, Father God, and be able to share that faith with everyone around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Put your hands together this morning. We'll sing the greatest day. The greatest day in the story, a death is beaten, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. Come on. The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. Come on, sing it. Well, he's alive. Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. When I stand in that place, free at last, meeting face to face, I'm yours, Jesus, you are mine. Come on, sing endless joy. Endless joy and perfect peace. Earthly pain finally will see. Celebrate. Here we go. Jesus is alive. Well, he's alive. Oh, and oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same, oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sins away, oh, happy day, happy day, and I'll never be the same, oh, forever I'm changed, 
gonna sing it. And oh, what a glorious day! What a glorious way you have saved me. And oh, what a glorious day! What a glorious way you have saved me. And oh, what a glorious Day. What a glorious way, what a glorious way you have, you have saved me, and oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious name, shout his name, Jesus, and oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same, oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, and I'll never be the same, give me some shout praise.
you to praise. Come on, we're just entering in this time of worship, leaving nothing behind. Come on. But think of it like this, that you're coming right now before the Lord, and he's before you. And your worship is not for your neighbor to let them know that you're super spiritual. Your worship is not for me so that I can see that you sing along and that you know the song. Your worship is unto God. Come on. It has a receiver in this place. And when you praise and when you sing songs from your heart, it goes into the Lord. See, what the Lord's interested in this morning is not a bunch of words on a screen, but he's interested in having your heart. He's interested in having you. And when we come in these times of worship, that's what we're saying. God, my life, my heart, everything that's of me is for you. Nothing behind, it's for you. Come on, would you tell them? It's all for you, God. This song is for you. I know that when I sing, God, it goes to you. God, receive my worship this morning. Come on and tell them. It's all for you. Oh, you receive the praise. You receive the worship. You receive the glory. Oh, Lord. You receive the highest praise. My songs, these words, my praise, it goes out to you. Oh, it goes out to you. Come on and sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Oh, my heart. Oh, my heart. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Come fill it with your life. Oh, Jesus. Come fill it with your life. Oh, it belongs to you. Yeah. It belongs to you. It belongs to you, Lord. Yeah. My heart, it belongs to you. It belongs to you. It belongs to This life, my family, oh, belongs to you. Yeah, yeah. Come on and praise me now. God, break through the superficial in this place, God. God, break through the superficial in this place, God. The things that we think we need that are more important than you. God, break through that this morning, God. Come on, if there's something you're saying right now that I need more than God, you've been deceived. Oh, God, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we want you in this place. We want you in our lives. Come on, there's nothing in this world that you'll need more than God. Break through the superficial, God. There's nothing more that we need than you.
to speak to your people, Lord. I just feel right now that God is, that was a word for some people in this place. God is breaking through the superficial. And he wants to break through the things that you're elevating above him, the things that you're saying that are needs in your life that are real. And God is saying, I'm going to break through that because you think that's going to suffice. You think financially, if you have more money, you're going to be more blessed, that you'll be more peaceful, there's going to be joy in your life. Come on. Or you think that being in a relationship with so-and-so is going to bless you more than I'm going to bless you. Come on. Wherever you are in this place, if you've been putting something before the Lord and saying, man, I need this more. I need Jesus. I love you, but I need this more. Oh, you've been deceived. Come back to the place of worship. Come back to the place of surrender. And let him fill you up. Come on, the Bible says that he knows us. And he sees our going in and our going out. And he cares for us. And that he clothes the blades of grass in the field. And that the sparrows, they have nests and they have food. And how much more, as children of God, does he take care of us? God, we return to you in this place. Come on, if that word was for you in any shape, way, or form, come on, it's the Lord talking to you. Come on, just lift your hands and say, Lord, break through the superficial in my life. Come on. Break through it, God. I've been deceived. I'm thinking that I need something more than you. There's nothing that I'll ever need more than you, God. I need you in my life. Come on, right now, break through the superficial, God. In Jesus' name, come on, let him work in your Holy Spirit. have a word of the Lord and just want to encourage the body this morning. Come, we're just going to leave room right now for the Holy Spirit to use you. Amen.
Come on for your praise this morning. We return to you, Lord. We seek your face, oh God.
let's continue to just dwell in his presence. We're going to transition into a time of prayer in just a moment. But he is worthy of our adoration. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is worthy of every ounce of praise you have to give him. The breath that you breathe, all the energy inside of you right now belongs to him. He died and rose again. He came to this earth to give us salvation. You are worthy, King Jesus. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. You are the great I am. We bless you, God. focus our attention today as the body of Christ here at Metro Praise on America. America needs Jesus. America must bend her knee to this King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of heaven and earth. And I want us to take a stand as believers to take back our nation, to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. In our day and age, in the time that we are living, there are multiple pastors continually, pastors of churches of thousands of members that are coming out with hidden sin. On a daily basis, we're murdering hundreds of thousands of innocent babies who are still in the womb. And just like in the Old Testament, when they would offer and sacrifice their children to Baal, to, to idols, we are doing the same thing in America. We're filled of rage and anger and violence. Like this football player who murdered the mother of his daughter and then kills himself. God, we are in despair. We need you to come to us, God. We send revival. Awaken your church. Come on, pray with me. Let's pray for two minutes this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to move on you in intercession for this great nation that was founded on God's principles of morality. Jesus, have mercy on us for all the abortions that we continue to commit. Oh God, I plead the blood of Jesus over my sins and the sins of my nation. And abortion, send revival, God. Let it start in us. Revive our hearts, God. Revive the hearts of our families. You said that whatever we would bind on earth would be bound in heaven. And whatever we loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven. If you want to do some binding and loosing over your family, lift up your voices right now to the King of Kings. Jesus, we bind up the spirit of religion. We bind up the spirit of alcoholism. We bind up the spirit of homosexuality. We bind up the spirit of violence. And we lose. We lose peace. We lose healing. We lose salvation and joy over America in Jesus' name. Let's lift up our voices together. Let's sing this song one more time. And let it be proclaimed all over our land right now that He is God Almighty. He is the great I Am. God Almighty, the great I Am. 
right here. Griselda, she'll lift up her hand. She's going to direct the children to the back right now. How many of you guys are excited to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. Welcome to Metro Praise International. It is so wonderful to have you here with us. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the pastoral elders here. And I want to preach to you the gospel this morning out of the book of John. It's from John chapter 3. Verse 1 through 3, and the title of my message is, You Must Be Born Again. And if you would like, the verse is going to be up on the screen as well. You could read along with me. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. And this is Jesus' reply to this man. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And I want to preach to you this morning that it is not a religion that is going to save us. You can say you are whatever religion you want to say. It is not that religion that will save you. Out of Jesus' own mouth, through his own words, and Jesus came as fully God and fully man to take our place, to reconcile us back into relationship with God by dying on the cross for us. And he said, I tell you the truth. He wanted to verify to us that he was not lying, that the only way for us to see the kingdom of God would be if that we were born again. And what does that mean? The way you are born again is by asking Jesus to come into your life, confess your sins, and you are born again. What happens when you are born again, when you say that, is that your spirit on the inside becomes new. Because of the fall in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned against God and broke covenant for the rest of the human race with him. And the only way that relationship was mended back together was the cross of Jesus. So if you are in this place and you have not been born again, your spirit remains dead on the inside because we are all born sinners. 
but Jesus. Somebody say, but Jesus. But Jesus came so that we could have life and have it to the fullest. If you are in this room and you have not been born again, then you do not have a personal, real relationship with Jesus Christ. He came to save us. And that is the only way that we get to heaven. That is the only way that we have a relationship with God is if we are born again in our spirit. And if that is speaking to you this morning, I want to let you know that today is your day. Look to your neighbor and say, today is my day. Today is your day to have a real relationship with Jesus because he wants to have one with you. If you can all stand up to your feet with me this morning. If you want to make that decision to ask Jesus into your heart and be born again this morning. Because he wants to speak to you. He wants to come and show himself real in your life then you have the opportunity to do that this morning. We have prayer workers here on the side, Salvador and Jessica, who are also deacons in this church, and they lead a life group. Please take some time to meet with them during the fellowship so they could pray with you. And if you want to join our discipleship, say, what can I do to get plugged into this church? Because I just want to let you know, religion is man's failed attempt to reach God. Our works cannot do it, my friends, this morning. Our works will never amount to anything compared to the glory and the perfection of God's holiness. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. We must come to the cross of Jesus because that was God's perfect plan in reaching us. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just come to you. And we ask, God, that if there's anybody in this room, Lord, I ask that you would bring conviction to their hearts for their sin. We have sinned against you. We rejected you. And I pray that there, if there's one, two, three, if there's 30 people in this room, that you are tugging on their heart because you want them to be born again. You want them to come to a saving knowledge of you, Jesus. I pray that today chains would be broken. In Jesus' name, right now, I pray that you would speak to them. Let them hear your voice loud and clear this morning because your word says that today is the day of salvation in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good this morning. I want us to take some time out right now as we prepare our confession of faith. If you want to raise your hand, if you want a handout so that you can have these words in front of you are ushers on both sides. We'll see your hand raised and they will be able to give you a piece of paper. And we'll wait a couple seconds here for you guys to get it. We're not in a hurry. The reason why we confess our faith every week is because we are declaring our Christian worldview. This is what we believe to be our Christian worldview. And if you believe my message, the message that I just preached to you this morning, I want us together on a count of three with everything within us to so just declare this to the heavens right now uh, in unison. Are you ready? Who's ready? Say, I'm ready. On the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. 
I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. If you need prayer this morning or you want to join our discipleship, please see our prayer workers to the side and just join us for a time of fellowship and hanging out right now. Bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Good to see people in the house. And Lord, if you can do me the favor and make your way back to your seats. Love on somebody on the way back. Give them a high five. Tell them you're glad to see them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I still see people making their way back to their seats. People are excited to see each other. It's the holiday season, and tis the season to be jolly, amen, because Jesus is alive in our hearts, amen? Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Metro Praise International. My name is Adam Nieves, uh, the youth pastor here at this church, also worship leader, and we're just thankful that you're here this morning. We want to welcome you. Look to your neighbor, look him in the face with a serious face. Go like this, right? Have a serious face. Look at him serious and say, thank you. Okay, you got to say it nice and loud so it doesn't sound so quiet in here. Okay, look at me one more time and say, thank you. 
And why are you saying thank you? Because you showed up here today, even though it was a rainy day, you came, you said, man, I'm going to make God a priority in my life. I want to worship with each other. Amen. So every Sunday at 10 a.m., we meet here. we got some cool things going on throughout the weeks. Uh, Wednesday, King's Kids. Um, bring your kids every Wednesday at 7 p.m., a time for the kids to go all out. Amen. we got youth. We have something for the kids, too, every Wednesday. Amen. And every Friday, Elevate! which I'm the pastor of. I'm excited for some cool things there as well. Uh, just to let you know, some do-diddles we got going on. Somebody say do-diddles. Now, if you look that word up in a dictionary, I don't believe you'll find it. It's just something that we say here to say, hey, we got things going on and things are good. So uh, the 19th, we got the Christmas caroling going out for the family fun night. Okay, so bring your family, dress warms, the scarves, the mittens, and you bring hot chocolate, bring all the good stuff, amen. I'll show up if there's hot chocolate. Uh, Christmas caroling, the 19th, 7 p.m. We go out to the community. We have a good time. I remember one year I went out Christmas caroling, and the people were so blessed and shocked. They were like... They ran back inside their house, and they were like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to give us? Like, they used to give us money, things like that, but this time they gave us apple butter. And everybody's looking, I, I don't know, like, I'll take it. I'll take some apple butter. So be blessed. So if you come on out, just if they give you stuff, like, hey, I I'll take it. If it's food, eat it. Amen. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. And then we got the winter retreat coming on out January 18th and the 19th. Make some noise. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> It's really a lot of fun, and what you guys are excited about, woo, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we get down with Jesus out there. We go out from a place, a winter retreat. It's not like Chicago where the sirens and the shootings and all that. We get away from that, maybe like Wisconsin, <laughs> right, uh, Lake Geneva and all that good stuff, and we just love the Lord out there. It's a good time. The information is on our website. It's $50, if I can see correctly, my eyes are failing. $50 for the adults and $35 for children. Again, if you want information, uh, talk to a life group leader. Talk to our leaders. You can look on the website, Facebook, like it, be a part of it, say you're excited, and go, woo, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Moving on. Here at Metro Praise International, we have a vision of loving God, loving people. And where does that come from? comes from Jesus. Amen. Jesus himself said it. God himself, when he came down, he said, man, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the greatest thing you can do in your life. If you're a Christian, you don't go to this church, you go to some other church. If you go across into China, they're loving God and loving people. And about this church, that's our vision. The way we do that, we have a strategy, which is to connect people to Jesus to mentor you, grow up in the things of God, than to send you out. And some cool ways we do that, we connect you in a life group. Because sometimes you come to a church, maybe see some new faces here, and we don't know you, we want to know you. Connect to a life group, and in a life group right now, we got this Truth Series project. Um, and we actually got some flyers for you. We have flyers, we do not have flyers in hand. But before you leave, we have flyers at the, at the um, I don't want to say condiment bar, because you don't eat food over there. We got flyers in the entrance, so please, when you leave, grab some, find out what we have going on, amen, and uh, that's the life groups. I mean, we have life groups every, um, we can't say every day, but we have life groups meeting throughout the week, amen, starting a little bit, moving on, and then our goal here is 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world, amen. God is doing it in this city. He's doing it in your lives. So keep it in prayer. When you go home, say, man, God, God, I pray the vision. God, I pray the strategy. You would do all these things. Amen. Amen.
Let's prepare to receive our tithes and our offering. Amen. A tithe is 10% of your total income. It's good to give the tithe. Amen. Sometimes when we talk about this in the holiday season, we're like, man, I got spending this. I got to get it for Cousin Flacco. I got to get this, this. It's funny. I say Cousin Flacco at work. There's a lady. Uh, she's, I mean, she's white American. She calls me Flacco. It's the weirdest thing. She introduces me to people. Oh, my name is Stacy, and this is Flacco. So I'm over here telling like Cousin Flacco jokes. Amen. But like when you're thinking about shopping for Cousin Flacco, this guy, right? Right? Uh, think about the Lord. Like, man, God, I want to bless you this season. God, I want to give to you because you've given me. Amen. So think about that. Uh, tithe, 10% total income, like I said, an offering. Whatever you give to God after your tithe. I mean, we got missions we were doing, we're planning that you can sow seed and say, man, God, I know you're doing a good work. You can trust that when you give your money, say, man, God, you're blessing it. God, you're doing something awesome, and God is using you. Say, God is using me. Hallelujah. Personal challenge. Money might be tight, but we're giving unto God. Amen. Believing by faith. Amen. So you can stand to your feet for me, please. We're loving God. We're loving people. Some cool ways to give. You can give online. Quick pay, easy. Type up with someone's email, Pastor Joe's email. It doesn't go to Joe, but it comes to the church. Amen. And that's the way we give online. Um, amen. Let's say this verse. Hallelujah. Like, I'm always like, what should I do next? Looking up at the screen. Amen. Luke 6, 38. We're going to say it nice and loud because we're believing God to do this in our lives and in our ministry. And through you, God is fulfilling this. Amen. Come on, let's do this. On the count of three. One, two, three. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Press down. Come on, say it. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen. Let's pray. God, we pray, Lord, that you would challenge us in this time of giving, God. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, God. And and God, we pray that what you do in this church, how you use people, God, bless them back, God. We don't know, Father, sacrificially what they're giving and what they're doing, but God, you do. And Father, you love that and you bless that, people who act in faith. And God, as a church, we come before you. We thank you for what you're doing. God, provide for us as we go out through these uh, months, God, and when we strive to just give everything to you. Jesus, we love you. We bless you. And it's in your name we do these things. In Jesus' name, come on and say it. Come on, come on up as you give your tithes and offering. We love you. Thank you for coming. Praise him, somebody. If you love Jesus, can I get a woo-woo? Amen, amen. Open up your Bibles with me to James chapter 1. So excited about what's going on today. We're going to do something we have never done. And uh, just I'm pumped about this. And so one of the brothers back there, Cousin Flacco, would you bring me the stool, please? Let's give it up for Cousin Flacco as he comes. 
For those of you who don't know about Cousin Flock, that's a little joke I always say here as the gringo. The Latinos think it's funny because I tries. And uh, now we know who Cousin Flocko is, dude. I just love that. And dude, thank you for making me laugh today. Rainy days, it's hard to get them laughing, but you had me laughing back there, dude. I love it. Okay, uh, James chapter 1. I want you to open up your Bibles there. This is what we did this week. This was awesome. I've never done this before. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to get your feedback about what was going on in your life. Let me explain to you why I felt this way. You know, as a pastor, I have the opportunity to be at my desk 24 hours a day if I want to be, just studying the Bible, loving Jesus. That is the privilege that I have. It is an honor. I remember being in Bible college, and, you know, the president of the Bible college would say, you guys are given the honor by the people of God to serve God every day of your life. There's people out there working construction jobs. There's people working in sales with taskmasters, and you get to serve God. Never take it for granted. Well, it's one of those moments of reflection this week that I really just felt that. And, and let me just tell you how I felt it. You know, I look at Facebook kind of like an online community where we all hang out. We get to see each other, what's going on, you know. How many like the Facebook? Can I see a little hand raise? Okay. Hey. And we like the Facebook. We go on there like I live on there, you know, because that's what I'm doing. I'm at my desk, you know. And, I, you know, I was just kind of looking around at my friends who are pastors and all this. And I kind of just noticed, and me too, I'm guilty of it too. But it's almost like we as pastors kind of become like the little rock stars on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? It's like we say these little things and then we get all these likes and everybody thinks it's cool and then when we put pictures of our children up there everybody thinks it's cool you know and 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 it's just like oh my pastor my pastor my pastor you know and I'm just like looking at this honestly and then I mean, I'm just keeping it real you know and then I look at some of the people in church and they'll put up something and maybe one or two likes you know and it's like wah, wah. you tried you know you put it up there and two likes you know and then uh you know I just look around and I'm like you know, a pastor friend of mine, he goes to his office. And every time he goes to his office, he checks in. You know, I'm at my office. And I look, and there's like 10 likes. You know, like he's at his office. I'm like, yay, pastor, you're at the office. That's so cool. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, who else does this? Who else does this, you know? Like, like Salvador, where do you work? What's the name of the warehouse? Say, it's just a warehouse. We call it the warehouse? Okay, that's what we call it. We call it the warehouse. So it's not like Salvador five days a week. It's like, check in, warehouse. Hey, I'm here again, warehouse. You guys get what I'm saying? It's like the pastors kind of become like these little rock stars. It's like, oh, we're so happy you're at the office. It's like, that's where you're supposed to be. You know, but we're so happy our pastors are at the office. We're so happy about that. And I just began to think, you know, you know, we don't celebrate you enough. Like, what are you going through? Like, what is your problem today? Or what's on your mind? You know, I get to sit at the desk, and if I have a bad day, I get to instantly just open up my Bible, look at what's going on in the Bible, write about it, write a blog. Does anybody get the blogs that I write? Those long, extensive blogs. Just kind of did this right here. I felt that. Do you know, do you know why I get to make these long, extensive blogs? Nothing else to do. There ain't nothing else to do. I sit at my desk. Does everybody love Jesus in my church? Check. Okay, what do I do for the next 40 hours? Write a blog about my problems and how Jesus loves me. And then I share them. And, and then I go and like I, I, I check on my blog status like every moment. I'm like, how many people are reading? 40 are reading. 50 are reading. Oh, 100. Jesus, thank you, Lord. And I just get this insight. It just, I had this insight, this boom, 
it's just like revelation this week. Like, y'all ain't living like that. You are not sitting at a desk just with your Bible open going, what can I do to talk about Jesus today? How can I just do this? And it's fun and all of that. Some of you are facing some real challenges in life. Others of you, you love your job, but your job is a big deal, man. It takes a lot out of your life. I mean, you love it, but it takes a lot out of you. You come home tired, and, and you have to then take care of your kids. And, and so this week, my motivation for this sermon was, man, what is on your mind? Like, what is going on in your life? What do you want me to talk about? Like, what do you want to hear a pastor talk to you about? That was the idea from this week. And so I just put the post up there, and, and it wasn't a gimmick, seriously, because if it was a gimmick, it didn't work today. Amen? Okay? There's not a lot of extra people here. It wasn't a gimmick. It was just, I want to hear, like, what are you going through? And so I got 20 responses. I had to cut it off at 20 because I didn't want to keep you here till like three hours and cause more problems for you in your life, you know? And then like one of your problems is my pastor never stops preaching, you know? So they didn't want to have that there, okay? But I have this up on Facebook and uh, we're going to look to James. Well, how, how about we go to Psalms 139 first? Let's go there. Just going to have some fun today. Look at your neighbor and say, relax. Amen. You're already here. It's fun. We're having a good time. Look with me to Psalms 139, then we'll go to chapter James, then we'll go to the notes. We're going to do a lot of cool things today. I think Psalms 139 says it better than I could ever say it, because this is what I'm really trying to say, is what David said in the Word of God for your life. I, I just did a baby dedication recently. Some of you were there, and I mentioned this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to mention uh, parts of this passage. Psalms 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. See, God is searching you every day to know you. What's going on in your life? What's it like, you know, uh, Salvador, to go to that warehouse for 40, 50 hours? And you work a late shift, right? Okay? You know, it's like, what is it like to be, you know, Eddie Birdo who goes and works all night Saturday night and comes here without any sleep? Let's give it up for Pastor Birdo in the back, making it happen. He is a rock star. That's the rock. See what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just telling you, I am a ninny compared to that guy. I showed up at my office. Like, 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 don't like that. Let's like the guy who showed up today at church after 15 hours of working without 20 hours of sleep. You guys get what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not saying like, like hate on us now, like a dislike button, like I hate this pastor. You know, I, I'm just saying it just gets annoying to me. And I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of it too. Because I become kind of like that little attention hog. You know, I just might know what I'm talking about. Can I just keep it real? You know what I'm talking about. It's like there's attention hogs on Facebook. And I kind of become that myself. I want to confess. But man, when I think about Birdo, and I read this scripture, it says, Lord, you know me. You know Birdo too. And you know everything about him. What can I do as a pastor to encourage him? That was my heart. It says, you know when I sit down, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar off. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Everybody say, all my ways. Is that encouraging for you guys to hear that this morning? All of your ways, God is watching. 
So you're not alone. Even though you may not be able to be a rock star on Facebook and put it up there like, hey, I showed up to my job. Here I am. And you may not be able for eight hours on your job or at school, young people, to send out all these deep philosophical, you know, like scriptural things that make all your friends go, oh, that's deep. You know, you may not be able to do that. But you know what? God is with you. And what you do matters. And if you didn't do what you're doing, I could never do what I'm doing. You understand? Because if everybody was like me sitting at home studying the Bible, we wouldn't be able to pay the light bill. Like somebody has to get a job, amen? Like somebody has to go out there and do something. Now, I know because I got friends that are pastors, man. And, I, and, man, they'll tell you how hard it is. You know what I'm saying? I got friends with stories about how hard it is, you know. And, and they'll tell me stories like, you know, I was traveling one day on a plane, and I met a Vietnam vet, and I started telling him what it was like for me to be in the ministry. And that Vietnam vet said, I could do Vietnam, but I can never do that. And so, you know, ministry, we're like the creme de la creme. And I'm like, dude, shut up. Shut, shut your mouth. You, you, ain't no, you ain't better than no Vietnam vet. He was saying that to you to make you feel good. He was being nice to you. You're supposed to say back to him, no, that ain't true. You, you were in Vietnam, man. You were, in, you were fighting the Ho Chi Minh. You, you had guns. Dude, that's, that's not harder than what I'm doing. And then you got like people walking around with like these Messiah complex, you know, like these pastors where, you know, life's so hard. And I get there too. I'm not going to say I don't. You know, a little low attendance, a little low offering. I'm suffering, Jesus. You know, like I'm suffering until I look at, you know, like Pakistan, my guy's Pastor Edwards' Facebook. Then I see him on some dirt floor with some computer from the 80s, you know, like, you know, doing his thing, holes in the roof. And he's like, today was a great day because God gave me a Commodore computer. And then I look at my house and where I'm at in this building and I go, oh, Lord, forgive me for calling this suffering. And so I just want to let you know as a pastor, I'm trying to relate to where you are. I'm trying. I'm trying to understand what it's like to do something in life that's hard jobs are hard some of you may not have the family situation that I have see I have a beautiful wife and kids but some of you because of prior mistakes and let me tell you son I made a lot of prior mistakes myself but you may be raising children as a single mom you may be paying off some debts you may be having to go back to school because maybe you had dropped out and those are difficult situations and so when all of a sudden you see pastor rockstar up there with his wife and kids and his house like bing, you know and then you're here with your one kid on one shoulder and the other kid running over here and the other one you don't know where it's at and everything's going crazy and you just find out trying to see if you could pay your cable bill and you're just like well i'm happy i'm glad my pastors are happy like and then it becomes like a little, some fantasy world. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm not just telling on us. And then I look at like churches and then like they like extol like these pastors until like they're like walking them around on their shoulders going, my life sucks, but theirs doesn't. So I'm just going to talk about their life all the time. Here they are. Here's how awesome they are. And it's like we're living vicarious through these people. Are you guys listening to me? That's just not right. God knows you. He knows what you're going through. And when we come here and we gather together, my job isn't, you know, the church's job, it's just not to like sing some songs, make you think this was like a great performance. You know, like you, you went to like some concert or, you know, whatever. I'm, this is supposed to change your life. 
This is supposed to enable you to do what you got to do this week with Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's talk about 20 things that was on y'all's heart. And if y'all don't have my Facebook, you need to get my Facebook because I need more friends, okay? I'm just kidding. Half kid. Half kid. Okay, here they are. Turn with me to James chapter 1, 5 through 8. Look at your neighbor as you're you're turning there because you can do this. You can turn Bible scriptures and look at somebody. Tell them God's got your back. Amen. God has got your back. While your pastors are living in fantasy land with the little guy, you know the little guy, fantasy island. The plane, the plane. You know, while we're living there, I just want to tell you something. God's got your back. Amen. Now, when I come with real problems, I want you guys to be able to talk to me about some real problems. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just telling you right now, what I heard a lot of right here on this, this is some real stuff right here. And I want to help by God's word. Amen. It's not me. It's God's word. So let's look into it. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So the Bible gives us the command that when we're lacking wisdom, we can go to him. So if I can go to him on your behalf and give you some wisdom today, then I've done my job. Amen? Okay, so let's look at these things. He's going to put it up there for the notes. If you've got the Facebook thing, you can check out as well because I put them up there. Here are just 20 random questions. They're not like in certain categories or anything, but I just wanted to let you know I care about you guys, and we can do this next time, uh, maybe a year from now. I don't know how often we'll do this, but just want to let you know we got you. And if you didn't get to ask your question, um, FormSpring, I have a FormSpring account, anonymous, asking questions. You guys can do it there. Over 800 questions have been asked over there. Somebody go, whoop, whoop. Come on. Okay, number one, what can we do to see national revival? Okay, so here's a real super spiritual question. You know what I'm saying? Something like trying to impress the professor. Like, here's my question. Just how do you love God just more than with everything you have, you know? How do you pray more, you know? It's like that spiritual question. But I, I'm not going to take it honestly. The bottom line is we're in a jacked up society right now, aren't we? A lot of problems. This person, I think, is asking, how do we make it right? Do you ever feel that way? Some of you guys got shut off the news because it gets depressing. I know I do. You ever notice that? It's just death, 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 war, you know, fiscal cliff. Everybody's talking about that. What do we do? Well, I like to say like this, preach, pray, and plug away. There's no other simpler solution. A lot of times people want to have like joint rallies and all get together and we all preach to each other and sing together. They didn't do that in the book of Acts, you know what I'm saying? I don't have anything together with like, anything wrong with all of us getting together. If you all want to do that, that's fine. But I'm not going to make like my life ambition like finding out like how many churches I can get together and pray and do all of that. Because Jesus didn't say to do that. He didn't say, this is how we change the world. All of you get together and you shout my name really loud in a stadium. Jesus. And then you all pray the same prayer. It doesn't work. We could do this all day long. As a matter of fact, I think right now, while we're going to these rallies, a lot of the Christians that I know are doing that because they're afraid to go to the streets. Now, if you want to go to the streets and go to rallies, do them, okay? But I'm not interested in rallies. I'm interested in the streets. So if any pastor ever says to you, hey, you know, come tell your pastor to do this, this, and this, you can tell back to that pastor. You can say, no, you tell your pastor, meet my pastor on the streets because that's where he's doing the thug dizzle for the low for shizzle, amen? They can meet me on the streets. Chicagoforjesus.com says what we're about. We're going to meet you on the street. There ain't nothing else to do. It wasn't like Peter and John got together and said, let's all pray about 
about it. Let's keep praying about it. Yes, there's prayer. I'm not diminishing prayer. But when we talk about revival, it's not all of us just praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. As a matter of fact, when you study about revival and how it's come about, there's never even one way it comes about. You have a zillion different ways it comes about. You have an Argentina, an Argentine revival, it coming about because a businessman wanted to start laying hands on sick people, and they start getting healed. Bam, it breaks out. I spent a lot of time with Carlos Nicondio, Sergio Scatolini, and, and those brothers. I learned from them. There was no strategy. It wasn't like some little national gathering. It was, Pastor, can I preach in the backyard, in the parking lot out there? And they started a tent revival, a campagna, and changed the world. Then you have like the, the revivals that happened on the college campus uh, of U of I. They started sending out missionaries. You know, there was a revival that happened there during like the 60s. The uh, Pensacola revival that came through a, a preacher on Father's Day just preaching the gospel as a T.I. is, as it is, And it just started rocking people's lives, okay? Yeah, and there are some that started when everybody prayed day after day after day after day. There are times like that as well. What's the bottom line? Just preach, pray, and plug away. Let's do what God said. National revival will happen when personal revival happens, and the church shines the light the brightest. It expels the darkness. Now, once again, I am not a party pooper. Look at your neighbor and say, ain't a party pooper. Dude, I'm not saying I'm against rallies. I'm just saying if we're calling the rally revival, I think we've got that thing a little backwards. Number two, why does the devil have so much power and seem to be bringing more evil upon the earth than God does good? It's mm, a deep question, right? You ever think about that? You know, if God is God and he's good and he's bigger than the devil, why is it the devil seems to be winning the arm wrestling match? Why is there more murder now in Chicago, right, than there's been in many, many years? You know, it's like we're setting the record again. Good job, Chicago, killing a lot of people. I don't know about you, but I read the newspaper, and I look at the mug shots, and I just look at these people, and I pray for them, and it grieves my heart. Mugshot, Chicago Tribune app, blows my mind. You know, like attempted murder and this and, you know, uh, first-degree murder. I'm just looking at these people. I'm saying, God, save them. So why is that? Well, the devil only has as much authority as the people give him. See, he only has the authority we give him. So when we allowed him in this garden, uh, into this earth from the garden and said, we're going to sin and go with, go with you, we gave him authority. Then when Jesus came, he took back his authority. He said, now I've got the authority. And so for those that are still following a defeated foe, they're allowing him to bring that destruction. But anybody who comes into the kingdom of God has the authority over the destroy. We destroy him. Amen? And so the point is, why does the path that leads to destruction? It's a basic question. Why do people like sin? You know, that's, the, that's really the question, and then the, and the answer to that is people have a choice between good and evil. Now, we can back it up one more step and say, why did God ever, uh, ever do that? I don't believe free will exists without a choice. That's what I believe, okay? People like William Lane Cray, Christian philosopher, spent a lot of time developing this. And by the way, if you look, I have answers and resources to everyone. So just give them an example there, my man in the back. Andrew, just click here for an insightful answer by a Christian philosopher. Bam, look at this guy right here, William Lane Craig, Reasonable Faith. Give it up right here. Come on, Ph.D. in philosophy. Man will blow your mind. He will blow your mind. So what, what's the deal here? God gives us a choice. People aren't making the right choice. He's not going to take away the ability to make choices because people make bad choices. And then he actually said to us, hey, if it seems like there's more people doing wrong, it's because there actually is. Why does the path 
that leads to destruction, and many there be that are on that. But narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. So it's a fact. There is going to probably be more people doing wrong, but the simple reason is it's their choice. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Number three, here's a good question, going to a totally different gear. How does the Bible define manhood? And all the women said Amen. That's we're supposed to say amen, women, okay? Just help me today, all right? One, two, three, say amen. Praise God. <laughs> How does the Bible define manhood? The Bible develops men into leaders. So the leader of the Bible is the man. That's mostly all the description of leaders is men. There's few words, women, so we're taught that women are not to be discriminated against, but the primary focus for leadership is men. Everybody say men. So what, what should we look to when we think of masculinity? How about Jesus, the Father, Old and New Testament examples? Let me give you five uh, traits that I think you'll see. Love for God and people, defined by the Bible. You want to be a man? Love God and people. When Jesus was on the earth, he wasn't an atheist. He loved his Father. Amen? Be like him. Love the Father. Love people. That's the de definition of a good man and a good Christian, a good anything. Number two, commitment to the family. You know, you have to be committed to your family. This is not going to happen by way of a miracle or osmosis. This is going to happen by you working hard. I got my dad saying amen. Thank you for coming all the way from Fort Wayne. Can we give it up for my dad this morning? Rainy Sundays and you're saying amen. That's all that matters right now because I'm talking about being a man. And my dad's a man. My dad is a man. And that's why he's saying amen to this. Love God, love people, commit to your family, work hard and provide. Okay, young people. Like how you work hard at COD4 to get to that next level. That's how you work hard to get a J-O-B and make some money. Okay, that's how you do it. It ain't like a mystery. It's not like, how do I work hard? You work hard like you do at those video games at your Facebook profiles and all that you're messing around and playing with. And your haircut. Poor Jeremiah's haircut. Look at you. Don't be embarrassed. You wear it, and we see it. We love it. We do. However long you spend doing that right there is what you've got to do to motivate yourself to go out and get a J-O-B. It's the three-word thing. It's the three-letter words of a man. Uh, three-letter words of a man. A J-O-B, a C-A-R, and an A-P-T. Apartment. That's what a man needs. A job. For those of you who can't spell a job, J-O-B, C-A-R, car, A-P-T, apartment. Amen. That's good. Glad we got these people right here. Come on, let's give it up for the people coming late. But it wasn't their fault, but they're here. That's what's up. Number four, teaching and leading both in the church and community. You're called to be a leader. Men are called to be leaders. And number five, a person of compassion and charitable deeds. So how do I think a man is defined by the Bible? Loves God, loves people, commits to their family, works hard and provides, teaches and leads wherever they go. They think of themselves as a leader, and they're compassionate. They're giving to the hurting. Can I hear an amen? More resources on that. I got everything, resources, resources, resources. So everybody who's asking these questions or now you're interested, go to the blog and blow up these resources because there's so much good information out there for you. Number four, how do I raise godly children? It's a good question. How many want to raise godly children if you have children? Amen. You know, a lot of times we think about our children like somebody needs to fix them. You know, like fix them. You know, like pastor, fix them. Youth pastor, fix them. The way I look at it is you brought them into this world. You fix them. They're your problem. Amen. Are you guys following with me? They're your problem or they're your blessing. 
you know, I love it like I was a youth pastor in a larger church, you know, that had a lot of, you know, members that had been there for years and years and years. And we would have these long conversations about their children, you know, and they, and they just somehow kept blaming the youth group didn't do this, the youth group didn't do this, you know, the youth group didn't offer enough Bible teaching, the youth group didn't enough, offer enough tr uh, treats and after school programs, they didn't offer enough uh, love and support for redheaded stepchildren that felt alone at night and sometimes wet their bed, you know, like the, the church couldn't do all of these things. For them. And I was like, hey, they've been with you for 15 years. Like, what are you doing for them? You made them. I just showed up. Like, I'm hanging out with them for a few hours. I'm telling them about Jesus. Read their Bible. What do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to create a third arm in them? I mean, you want me to grow the brain? Well, they're your children. They're your offspring. So the, the, the point here is raise your children. This whole idea a village raises a child is not true. You raise your child. You can get help from people, that's cool, but you've got to raise your children. You are ultimately responsible for that. Okay? Now, it's a fun thing. It is. Does anybody like having children? Hey, man, we love our children, right? Here you go. Lead by example and teach them the word of God, Proverbs 22, 6. Teach them to pray, <clears throat> memorize scripture. You ever thought about that? Teach them to memorize scripture. You've got to be able to do that. Discipline them consistently. Discipline is a good thing for them. You can choose whether or not to do physical or just timeouts. We'd like to do both. Amen. Uh, one makes us feel better. Amen. It's just a little relief right there. It's like, oh, amen. I do not lie to them either. This is going to hurt you more than it hurts me. Not at all. This is going to relieve my stress. This is going to make me feel so much better. And the timeout is just for you to chill now for a little bit because I can't be with you right now. Okay? Teach them to pray, memorize scripture, discipline them consistently, discover their passions. You got to know your children's passion, right? Because that was, that's what's going to motivate them. If they're passionate about sports, use that as motivation and be involved in that. Find their passion. If it's writing, whatever it is, find their passions and, and speak to them through that. Connect them to the church. You are responsible to bring them to the church. And parents, I don't want you to feel bad about this, but there should be no excuse if they are in your house and not going to your church. Are you guys listening to me? Okay, if they don't want to go to your church, they shouldn't be able to lay in, in their bedroom. They shouldn't be able to eat your food. It's quiet when I talk like this. See, this is when mom and dad, this is when they think we were crazy. But you put me out of the house when I didn't want to go to church anymore, didn't you? 18 years old, did you kick me out, yes or no? Okay, so on my 18th birthday, you gave me a birthday card, a little bit of gas money, and my keys to a car, and you walked me out the front door, didn't you? That's what she did. That's a woman of God right there. She's acting all shy and bashful right now. That was not how it was that day. That was not how it was. I'm sure there was an after party as well, but there was a sternness in you right then I don't see that sternness now you're just like timidly yes you know you kicked me out I was done kicked out of my house that's how I did that's that's how I learned that this is how it's going to be if I don't serve God I don't live here it's tight but it's right now some of you may say well my children you know they're not old enough to kick out the house well then they're old enough for you to drag them here they're old enough for you to drag them here are y'all listening to me if they ain't old enough for you to kick them out they are old enough for you to drag them here and if not we will help you Bertsky, pastor Bertsky, will help you give it up for Bertsky, the aztec warrior now he will come he will meet your children sunday mornings we'll have him put on the headdress take off his shirt put on some paint on him and just for the very fact they're going to think he's crazy and out of his mind they're going to come amen Praise God for a church that keeps it real. Amen.
and speak the word of God over their lives as much as possible. No matter how much I rejected God, you would always speak the word over me. My mom would drive with Christian worship music on. It just, man, I hated it, but you would do that for me. Thank you. Oh, praise him. Number five, how can a single parent do the job of both parents and raise their children without lacking any good thing? Would you just scroll up and see how much I wrote about this right here? This is the big answer right there. That one took some time because that's serious. Amen. I mean, we're having fun, but this is serious. So I want to just take my time with this because I know this is a lot of what uh, I think people are going through today. As a matter of fact, more children are born outside of traditional marriage than are born in traditional marriage in our culture right now. Just think about that. No longer is it the common thing to have your mom and your dad with you in the house. The common thing is now for you to be with one or the other. Let me just read it to you. It says, depending on God's strength makes this possible, and you're going to use your extended family and church. Some of this may be common sense, and obviously I'm not a single mother, but I'm going to help out as much as I can. Amen? Okay? Find same-sex mentors for the children as early as possible. So if you are not the same sex of the child you're raising or you have one of them, like let's say you're a mother and you're raising a boy, okay? You need to find trusted mentors for that child as soon as possible. This is where the church is supposed to help you and that's why we're really trying to be on this right now because the Wednesdays is for children the Fridays is for youth okay so right there you have people that are volunteering to be in your children's lives as mentors okay uh, the next thing is and I this is where I spend a whole paragraph talking about this because we are living in a society of more sexual perversion molestation abuse than ever before so I really wanted to clarify this to be very serious but even of the same gender, they need to see married couples working together so that their mind sociologically, everybody say sociologically, this means in the society in which they live in, they're going to base their truth not just on what's happened in your life, but what's going on in others' lives because hopefully you're believing that they're not going to be a single parent like you, right? That's the idea. I mean, I don't want my children to do drugs like me. I don't want them to get arrested like me. Not putting down single parents. I'm just saying, in your heart, if you can say to yourself, I want to give them the best step forward I can, you're going to need to hang around married couples. Now, where do I think this is best? I think this is best when you look at life groups because there are life groups that have the same couples and children because we have ones with children, life groups with children, and ones without them, okay? So you obviously have children. You need to go to those kind of life groups and go there every week and bring your kids there and talk to your life group leaders and talk to the husbands and wives there and say, when can we do family outings? So, for example, when we went out to the... Um, the pumpkin patch out there in the suburbs somewhere crazy out there. Y'all should have came with us as single parents, amen? And so that's what I'm talking about. I'm sorry for not inviting you. That's kind of my fault, too. <laughs> Didn't invite y'all. But next time, we're going to invite you to come out there. And we're not going to make you feel weird either. We're not going to be like, this is the single mom. She's our friend. We're just hanging out with her. We're, we're perfect, and she's not, or he's not. We're just, we're, you know. We're pitying them. No, God have mercy. We're not going to do that. You all tracking with me? We're not going to do that. What I'm just saying is we need to do that more. So I'm confessing. I'm sorry. We're going to do that more, and I, and I need you as a parent to really pursue that. And, yes, use your extended family. I mean, that's obvious. But if you have people in your extended family that don't serve the Lord, I would prefer the church family. I would because I'm telling you right now, there are people in my family I will not allow my kids to be alone with. 
Amen. I don't care how much brother or sister they are to me. They're struggling with alcohol, drugs, etc. I ain't going to do that. Amen. Okay. And uh, the two websites that I give, or actually there's three for uh, single parents, for uh, raising children in general, and then now moving to number six, a blended family. The website there is Focus on the Family. Amen. Let's just give it up for Dr. James Dobson right now. Come on. Let's just give it up for that bad boy. That dude has loved some families over the years. I remember my mom reading some of those books and enforcing the rules. Amen. They didn't work. That's okay. You tried. You tried enforcing what Dr. James Jobson was saying. And there were some other counselors we tried, and they said we ain't counseling them again and stuff like that. Then there was one that counseled, and he liked me. He was an older guy. Amen. He was, he was a good guy. Now, family counselors are awesome. And, they're, you know, Lydia House is a good family counseling place in our city, and focus on the family is just top-notch. Okay, so all of those points we're talking about you can look to their websites free check it out online how do we blend two families together to make one new happy family and a lot of these came from facebook so i saw like who was asking him this is like my friend from fort wayne love him with all my heart man precious guy has a child you know from a previous relationship and he's now in a relationship with a wife who has i think three other children from a previous relationship this is pretty common these days and this is called a blended family and this question is that's so sincere. I love it. Here's the answer that I give. You have to use the same principles as a normal, what we'd call normal, you know, like uh, marriage where there isn't the children involved because the marriage is always going to be based on those principles, and that is this. They both have to be saved serving God. So if you're with somebody and that person maybe, you know, is not serving God and you're now serving God, you should not marry them, okay, because if you marry them, you can't ask God to bless your mess. Are you, see, it gets quiet when I talk like that. You, you all with me? You can't ask God to bless your mess. So you just need to say, man, it's the best thing right now we got to do. Is, you know, the best gift I'm giving you for Christmas is the gift of goodbye. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's the gift of goodbye, baby. You can't take it back. Amen. It's just the gift of goodbye. That's, that's just, you know, you just have to be able to say, you know, my church is always here for you. You know, there's people there that are going to love on you. But this Christmas, we're breaking up. Goodbye. That's my gift. Wrap it up, a little cookies on it, whatever, milk, whatever. But you just got to tell them we're breaking up. Number two, the man has got to be the man. The Bible always teaches this. It doesn't mean that the woman is of less value and character of the man. Because actually the example that we see here is Jesus submitting to the Father. Check this out. Jesus and the Father are both divine in their attributes, but Jesus serves the Father. Jesus does the Father's will. Are you guys tracking with me? They're both God in their divine attributes, but Jesus, when he came to this earth, he said, I don't do anything except what my Father tells me to do. Now, when you look at man and woman, we're not saying that men and women are less in ability, nature, mind, smart, any of that intelligence, but what we're saying is in authority, God asks one to be in charge. And you can look at this at, on your job as well. When you're on your job, everybody there is equally a human being, correct? Right? You don't work with monkeys, right? may feel like it, but you don't. Everybody say, I work with human beings. Okay. You guys are all on the same level, right? Like human beings, but one is made over you, a boss. Maybe you're the boss, etc. It's the same thing in, in the marriage. There's got to be a boss, a leader, and God has chose that person to be the head. And, and so that's what you need to do. So men, be Christians, live for God, find a godly wife. Now the next thing that comes after this is you raise the children under the precepts of God. And you go back up to the thing that I said before. If they don't want to listen, you drag them to church. You get Bertsky, Aztec warrior. You know, we go down that road. You do whatever it takes. 
mistakes. You should, at this point, let me just give some encouragement here, and for some of you may look at this as a difficult thing, you should look at this as an encouraging thing. Why? Because you get to make it better than it was before. Hey, somebody say redemption. Second chance. You get a second chance. Don't rush into something that's going to jack you up again. You don't have to. You've made it this far. You've been blessed this far. God's been teaching you and encouraging you. Hold on to those blessings, amen, and wait for the right one. And, and it used to be, you know, 25 years ago maybe, you know, that a woman that had children, she was looked down upon. You know, the men said they didn't want that. But now men are in that same position. God humbled them. And now men and women, they're all in the same position. So there are people. People out there just for you that aren't going to think anything of it. Amen. And then I got datelikeachristian.com. You can put your little profile on there. That's me as a matchmaker. I'm trying to hook people up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I was getting in trouble doing it on my own. So I said, I'm going to make a website, make this thing official. And by the way, this February, this, uh, this uh, what do we call this thing? Valentine's Day coming up. I think we're going to have an event single and ready to mingle. I think it's going to happen. I want to do it just prophesying right now. And it's going to be from 21 years old to 35. We ain't ready to go younger than that and get in trouble with your parents. And we ain't ready to get older than that. Though I'm tempted to get on that level, but I'm just not ready for that level yet. You know what I'm saying? Because some 35-year-old plus women, I got to be honest with you, single moms, I am scared of you. You are sassy. You are sad. You have learned to be tough. And I ain't ready to, like, get up in your life and try to hook you up with somebody. Yeah, let's be honest. I'm scared, okay? But I'm going to make sure I start with the young. The young, 25 to 35, feel comfortable there. You know what I'm saying? That's okay. Amen. Single and ready to mingle. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 talks about a godly family. That's how it should be raised. And uh, make sure you do it in the church. That, that's, that's the excitement of that is the church provides this community. So, yeah, we're not supposed to be making ourselves rock stars on the, online, but a church should be providing community for you here, those life groups, those youth groups. And as the family is blending, if there's, you know, some rough edges, you know, you've got youth pastors to go to, and that's the appropriate thing. You know, you can say, I'm doing my part at home. I just need some backups. That's what a youth pastor is good for, amen? Or you could say to your life group leader, man, we're doing our part at home going through this, but can you encourage our kids, you know, or encourage me and my husband, etc.? All right, number seven, how do I increase in faith? This was a good one asked by that guy right there. Let's give it up for Adam. Come on. Asking good questions. Here it is. By hearing, reading, and speaking the word of God, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to stay continually in the Word of God if you want your faith to grow. If you have felt in life that your faith is being, you know, you're losing faith, that's normal. People have gone through that. But you can get back your faith. You can. Sometimes new Christians, they have a lot of faith. They're radical. They're excited about God. Then troubles come in their life, and they don't notice it. But what begins to happen is they pull back from the Word of God. Then they start losing faith, and then they freak out. Like, oh, man, what's going on? I ain't got no more faith. I don't know if Jesus loves me. What they forgot was they, they weren't doing what they were, you know, at the time they were on fire. So you got to go back to those things, and you can get back your faith. Faith is not like something like once it's gone, it's like, there it goes, buddy. You ain't getting it back. Yeah, you're going to be faithless the rest of your life. Deal with it. No, it's you can get back your faith. Read your Bible. And faith is not like some mystical fruit tree, you know, that you got, boop, you know, grab it and hit it you on the head or something, or like flipping coins into a wishing well. No, faith is a substance, the Bible says, and it's found in God's Word. Amen? Amen. Number eight, how can I really forgive those who have deeply hurt me? Anybody here ever been hurt in relationships? Come on, we all have. Really serious here, man. How do we get over deep, deep hurts? Well, 
the honest answer is only by God's grace. You can only do it saturated in God's love. You have got to get close to God in your deepest hurts. I don't know who wrote this, uh, and I don't know the situation that they were going through, but I hear so many hurts uh, today in life that just breaks my heart. Like I've said, people have been sexually abused, physically abused. Uh, parents have, uh, you know, got, gotten into debt and, and, and these troubles with their, with their finances, and they've done some things they regret by either lying, stealing, cheating, and uh, some of them are getting in trouble right now, and, and kids can't forgive their parents. What I'm referring to is in my hometown, uh, they made the biggest drug bust in Fort Wayne, Indiana's history, over a million dollars of drugs and paraphernalia, and the next-door neighbor of my parents had the FBI and all of their raiding this house. Now, could you imagine being the kids there? You don't get to see your dad this Christmas. Why? Because dad turned to a, law, a lawless life. He's in jail now. Probably going to be there for a long time. So, you know, people may have hurts towards their parents. People might have been in relationships, had their hearts broken. Anybody ever had their heart broken in a relationship, cheated on, did all that? Well, how many of you ever been cheated on? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you have ever done the cheating? Come on, let's see if you're going to tell the truth right now. Look at some of you lie. Look at that. How many of you have ever been in a relationship before? Raise your hand because I don't see a lot of hands raised up. Okay, so if you, okay. Anyways, we're not going to get into that. Okay, okay. You must see them as sinners, as you are a sinner in need of a savior. Just like how you need a forgiveness, you have to see that they need forgiveness and believe that God does not want them to perish. No matter how bad you are hurt, you don't want them to go to hell. I promise you, as the Bible describes it, I as a preacher, and I get angry with some hurts, man. Oh, my goodness. Nancy and I were watching, talking about this video that I had watched, and it was online. Did anybody see it? I think it was like in Indonesia. It was like an Asian woman. I'm just saying Asian by describing the video, okay, because I know not everybody's like this at all. But it was like an Asian mother, and she had a toddler on the bed, and she kept beating the toddler. Anybody see that video? Oh, it's like, dear God, I would just want to hurt that woman so, so bad. See, the young people laugh, but I'm just being real. Oh, my gosh, man. It's just like you're watching this mother abuse the child. Some people have suffered that way in this life. Some people have. But no matter what that woman did to that child, I don't want to see that woman go to hell. I don't want her to go to hell. So how do you forgive? You've got to go to God in his grace. And then look at Matthew 18, 21, 35 when you have time and see the parable that it's talking about there. You've got to understand if you don't forgive them, you cannot be forgiven. That's the way you learn true forgiveness is in this life is by forgiving others. So you may say, man, they don't deserve it. You're right, they don't deserve it. You may say, they have hurt me so bad. That's right, they've hurt you bad. I'll never forget it. That's right, you may never forget it, but you still have to forgive. And the beauty of this is it's the only way of healing. When you forgive, it's like taking the dagger out of your heart and you can go into a place of healing, and you, you'll still have a scar. You will have a scar in this life. You will remember what that person did to you. But as I've heard people testify, and as I have testified, the scar will not have the pain as it once did. Has anybody here forgave and been healed? Can I hear amen? Amen. amen. And I have a great resource there for that. <clears throat> Excuse me as well. Number nine, are we really living in the end times? If so, what are Christians to do about it? Anybody ever think about that in times? How about, you know, with the things going on with Israel and then the bombs going back and forth with them on the Gaza Strip there? The, the simple answer to that is yes, we are living in the end times. 
Okay? That is very, very true. You are in the last days. And I like to say it like this. You are in the last seconds of the last hour of the last day. Because when Peter preached 2,000 years ago, he says, you are now in the last days to those folks. So last days started 2,000 years ago. You all tracking with me? So we are right now towards the end of this thing we call human history. So what do you do? You don't give in to sin and you don't give in to fear because those two things are going to try to plague your heart and my heart as times go on. Sin is going to abound, the Bible says. I mean, it, listen to that word. It says abound. And you can already see it in our country, legalizing homosexuality, allowing marijuana to be purchased in different states, and now these type of things that, uh, you know, we used to think were wrong are now being made right, like the Lady Gaga generation and then bisexuality. I mean, it's just all types of wrong stuff is abounding. Has anybody noticed that? I, you know, somebody had put up a video from the 50s, you know, and it was like, I think it was Jerry from the other campus, and it, it was a song like, Good Morning, and they were like dancing, skipping around, saying, Good morning, good morning, good morning to you. And I'm not like saying everybody in the 50s was doing that every morning, but I was watching that going, man, there ain't no way that anybody in our culture would do that. But like back then, that was like normal. You know, you look at the TV shows, leave it to Beaver. You know why you can leave it to Beaver? Because he ain't going to do nothing really wrong. He ain't going to do nothing. Now, can you leave it to Cousin Flacco? Maybe that Cousin Flacco, but not this. You know what I'm saying? Leave it to Cousin Flacco. Come back. The house be bumping and the party happen. Every marijuana smoke up in the room. And we know that's true. Are you all following me? Stay away from sin. Don't let fear seize your heart because you're going to get afraid. I'm just going to tell you right now, fear will come at you. This economic hardship is just the beginning. We're going to see more wars and rumors of wars. We're going to see more nations destroying each other, fighting within each other. The Bible says nation against nation, more instability. Your heart's going to become tempted to be afraid. You're going to feel fear. Don't give in to it. Live for Jesus. Obey his commands. He said, will I find faith upon this earth? Be the ones that can say, yes, Lord, I'll be faithful until your return. Looking to the parable of the ten wise virgins, um, the, the foolish virgins and the wise virgins, they had enough oil to keep their lamps burning all night long. The bottom line is don't you quit. Amen? Number ten, how can Christians fight in war and kill people when Jesus said to turn the other cheek? And I'll go through these uh, other ones real quickly here. There's what's called a just war, Okay. And if everybody turned their cheek to Hitler, there would be no more cheeks left. If I am being personally, uh, you know, in a conflict with somebody, I'm supposed to back down and take the humble road. But if I'm now watching you uh, hurt an innocent person, for me now to watch and do nothing, now I am guilty. Do you guys understand? And the Bible is not written as a constitution. It wasn't meant to be that. But, the, but Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll guide you into more wisdom. So I believe what we understand as a just war, applying those principles, is the most biblical thing. Because if we don't fight evil, evil will prevail and hurt a lot of innocent people. That's why we need police officers and the military. And we got some military folks here. Let's give it up for David and those who have served in the military. Amen. Hoorah. Number 11. Uh, here was a child's question to a mother here during Christmas season. Uh, where was Jesus before his birth? You know what I'm saying? It's like, how can Jesus be God and yet be born? Well, Jesus wasn't born in the sense of created. He's uncreated. He was born in the sense of coming to this earth and live among us. Okay, so when you think of your birth, that's when you cre were created and it came into existence. He had already existed in spirit form in heaven. When he came to this earth, he put on an earth suit. He put on flesh to be with us and to grow up. So he has never not existed. 
So hopefully that helps the mother, and that's called the incarnation. Uh, number 12, good question, why doesn't God heal everyone? You ever ask that question yourself? You know, it's like, man, I'm suffering. I go to church, I heal the preacher, and he preaches faith, and, man, I believe God can heal me, but I go home and I keep taking the medication. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I was talking about at the beginning of the service. It, it, you know, that's not something you put up on your Facebook, right? Because you're like, man, I'm suffering. I'm not feeling good. And, and to continually do that, you're thinking, you know, I'm going to be too negative, and I don't want people to think I'm negative. But honestly, that's a big question in a lot of people's hearts right now, especially going to good churches like ours where we teach healing, then they won't get healed. And, you know, we see the testimonies all the time. But what about the other people? Well, there's three options, and, and I think number three is the best, but I'll give them to you one and two here. The first one is it's not his will to heal at that time. So some churches have said, we prayed for you, you're not healed. It must not have been his will, so just try it again next time. I don't necessarily believe that. Number two, there's people who say every single time you're not healed, it's always your fault because of faith. And then what that does is that makes sick people feel not only sick, but now they're discouraged and they're thinking they don't have any faith, you know what I'm saying, which is probably not the best thing to say to a sick person. So I think a combination of one and two is true, meaning God always desires to heal, but there may be times that he says, it's time to come home. So what do I do as a pastor? I will never let you tell me it's not God's desire to heal you because I want to believe it's God's desire to heal you. How will I know it's not his desire to heal you when I'm preaching at your funeral? Just keeping it real, okay? So until you go to your funeral, I'm going to keep preaching, you can be healed. But I'm not going to beat you up over it. I'm going to say together, my faith, your faith, everybody's faith, we're going to keep believing God for your healing, amen? And if you don't want healing, if you put on glasses and you can say, hey, I'm all right, I don't need to ask for it, then be, be cool with the medication and the modern science and, the, and medical work that we have. That's great. I'm just saying, whoever wants to ever be healed, they can come to Jesus because he's always willing to heal unless it's time for you to go home. Amen? That's what I think. Number 13, I got a great article on that from the Assemblies of God. Number 13, how do I keep hope in these tough economic times? Let's keep it real. Anybody ever felt like that during these last couple of years? The person who wrote this to me, uh, I knew them back in the day from when I grew up, and uh, just he was sharing his heart, man. He was just like, you know, I'm struggling in these different areas, and it's hard for me to get past where I'm at. Okay, so here's what I believe we all need to do who are struggling in these economic times. Is number one, don't place your personal value in your valuables. You can't do it. It's a lesson for us to learn no matter what time of the economy we're in. But we have to learn this now. Everybody's got to learn this. You are not valuable according to your values. I mean, you're not valued according to your valuables. Everybody say, I am valuable because God says I'm valuable. Thank you. And so you may have to uh, begin to look for a new job in a different department or bit, get re-educated, retrained. You know, look at Joseph in the Bible. He went from working as a slave in agriculture over there to serving in prison, and then he went to helping out with the Pharaoh. It's like wherever he went, he had to adjust to that situation. Don't be afraid to adjust. My father's here as well. He'll tell you about how he had to close down a business and restart in a whole different kind of business, but God used him. So you've got to be uh, willing to realign. And then lastly here, pray for doors to open, because we know ultimately that somebody is going to buy a house. So if you're a realtor, let's pray that God opens doors so they buy houses from you. Even as bad as the market is, because my house is for sale right now, the one I rent. So somebody's going to buy a house. Are you listening to me? Somebody's got to go to a restaurant. Let's pray they go to your restaurant. Somebody needs to get a new pair of shoes. Let's pray they go to your store. Are you guys tracking with me? And don't give up hope.
Uh, number 14 here. What is the balance between ministry and family? Which comes first? You know, because we've got some radical people in our church, and I know there's a lot of radical Christians out there, and they're like, man, what comes first, my marriage or my ministry? Your marriage always comes first. Okay, you've got to take care of your family, but if your marriage partner comes against God and the values of God, these, these principles like praying, going to church, then you've got to put God's word above that. But in the sense of like how I'm married, my wife and I are both serving God, I have to put her needs before your needs because if I don't take care of her and my family, then I've lost my example that I'm giving to you. So if I'm coming to preach to you and to lead by example and my life is jacked up, what, what benefit do I have to help you now? Because we're not hypocrites, amen? The Bible says not to be a hypocrite. So put your family first. Take care of your family and then win souls by examples. Do ministry by example. Uh, number 15, why are same-sex attractions wrong if they come natural to the person? This is a big deal we're facing right now, okay? Homosexuals are feeling attraction to the same sex. Nothing in their mind is saying, I am choosing this feeling. Now, because of Katy Perry and I Kissed a Girl and songs like that, there may be this trend towards bisexuality, but if you talk to most homosexuals, I've been on Belmont and Clark preaching out there for, you know, five-plus years and lived in New Orleans, okay, for almost eight years, big uh, homosexual community there. Every person I talk to says, I didn't make a choice, okay? I Pastor, I didn't choose this. Matter of fact, if I would have chose something, I would have chose something a lot easier than this because I've suffered with my family. I've suffered rejection. Okay, that's what I hear back. Now, how does that make sense? And as the person was asking me this, that's what they were coming from. How does this make sense to the Bible where it says it's a sin? Because most people think if it feels good and it feels natural, then that means it's a God thing, right? I mean, because that's what like Oprah Winfrey says. You know, if this is how you, you know, if she said it, it's got to be true, right? Because that's what they think. I mean, if it, if it feels good, do it. If I'm not hurting anybody, right, then I can do this. Well, what does the Bible say about this? We are born sinners. Now watch this. And our desires are sinful. So yes, I believe people can be born with proclivities to homosexuality, just like I was born with the proclivity, the, the propensity to want to sin and be rebellious. Dad, how old was I when you had to start spanking that rebellion out of, out of me? How old was I? <laughs> give me an age. Just give me an age. Pick a number. Are you serious? Two years old. I was bad. I was a bad boy. What? Three? Four? Are you, mom's being serious. You're giving us the number? Two? Okay. Now, obviously, I had no idea what I was doing. I was still peeing on myself at two years. I didn't know what I was doing. But I was rebellious. And I'm not just talking like normal rebellion. I'm talking like crazy rebellion. I'm talking like fifth grade teacher making a timeout rune in the classroom saying this is now going to be Joe's permanent place. I, I'll never forget it. I'm dead serious. He said, I'm so sick and tired of you. I am making a, he put the bookshelves together, and he says, this is now where you will be. And I'm like, when I get in trouble? No, where you will be all the time. You will be all the time in here. And I went to a parochial Christian school where they could spank me. And I tried this. I went home and, you know, tried what kids do now. Like, they spanked me. They spanked me. And mom was like, good. How many times did they spank you? Let me spank you some more. You, man, three? No, man, we go about five around here. I'm dead serious. I would get spanked by the paddles that would say, raise up a child right. You know what I'm saying? And, the, and then sometimes they had like the little air holes in it so you could just get the best out of that swing. And you would hear it coming. And you would hear that thing coming. Jesus! 
Yes. One time my dad was taking me out. We were out to Red Lobster, and I was, it was after church. I was misbehaving. He was taking me to the bathroom to spank me, dragging me. I was, you know, screaming out to the, the people of Red Lobster, and I said, pray for me. Pray for me. Amen. It was so funny because, you know, Brother Anthony's a southern gentleman, and he definitely believes, thank you, in spanking some kids. You know, he loves to do that. And when he met my parents, he said, did you spank him enough? Because I don't see him really, you know, he's not a humble guy. He's, you know, he's talking about my pride. Brother Anthony said, did you spank him enough? And my mom said, if spanking him would have made him an angel, he would have already been an angel. Because spanking obviously didn't work because I got spanked and spanked and spanked all the time. Now back to same-sex attractions. My point is we're all born sinners. And so my friend, my dear friend, madam, brother, listen to me. Please let God transform your life like he's transforming me. We're not saying to you that you have to get over the desire today. What we're saying is confess it as sin and let God transform those desires. Amen? Because if the heterosexual is still dealing with lustful desires towards people that's not their husband or their wife, then we can give you permission to deal with desires of the same sex. And everybody said amen. Amen. Then we get here to number 16. What is the biblical stance on illegal immigration? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, are you legal? Come on, look at your neighbor. Are you legal? Do you have your green card? We got the La Migra in the back. We're going to apply today's message. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm so sorry if I, if I alarm some of you right now. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. The, the gringo, like, ha, ha, funny gringo, Funny. 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 Okay, so here it is. Not always easy, but you guys probably know where I'm going with this. We've got to obey the laws of the land. So I think it's not right. I think we need to do what it takes to be right. And I have respect for people who now who are saved and are convicted of this that are doing it the right way. And as you live in our country, you know, my great-grandparents came here the right way, and they're here. And uh, I love to always point to Ishmael Lopez, you know, who is here the right way and different things. We need to understand that this country will not be great if people keep breaking the rules. So stop breaking the rules. Do your best to go back to make it right. And already I've seen this with people that I know who are going back, making it right. And because of that, I believe God has favored them because I've been seeing people get their citizenship that didn't have it before. And I believe that because of Romans 13, 1, it says, obey the laws of the land. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. amen. How can I overcome depression? Don't have time to get into all the details here, but I personally believe as a pastor there's two forms of depression. Now, a doctor probably wouldn't agree with this. That's why I have to say as a pastor, okay, because a doctor is only going to see the clinical side. I believe there is clinical depression and what I would just like to term emotional depression. What clinical depression is is where doctors can say, you know, look, you're low on some things, maybe like serotonin. There are some things in your body. Like I know with my wife coming after, you know, after having children and getting her body back in order, they call that postpartum. Are you guys tracking with me? We're not going to say to those people, you have a devil, a demon, you're wrong, you don't read your Bible enough. There is a physical problem going on there, and sometimes the body's not snapping back, and it may need some help, okay? 
But if you're going through what I call emotional depression, you know, pity patty parties, you're feeling sorry for yourself, nobody likes you, you need to get out of that. You need to start thinking and talking positive. You need to read your Bible, get around other people, community groups, the church, and fight for your joy. Because all of us have times that we're depressed. All of us have times we get upset in life. And the only reason why we all don't fall into clinical depression is because... We're fighting back for our joy. Amen? The joy of the Lord is your strength, is what Nehemiah says. And Dr. James Zobson has great things on that as well, because we go back to the focus on the family. 18, how should I respond to unbiblical leadership in the church, especially when they sin and cover it up? Somebody getting excited. Like, freedom! Like, somebody going to get free! You know what I'm saying? Like, take this part out of the sermon and give it to the pastor and be like, this is what another pastor said. So I welcome all of you pastors now to our service. Okay? Um, we as Christians are never, everybody say never, to support sin. We are never to support sin in the name of love. I don't care how rock star your pastor is or what church they've come from or whatever I've done here. We are never to support sin. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says that people who sin in ministry need to be publicly corrected, have to be rebuked. All of this stuff that's going on right now is disgusting. It bothers me. It grieves my heart because it grieves God's heart. Read Ezekiel 34 and you'll see how serious God takes shepherds messing up the sheep. The bottom line is this. If I have stood in front of you and have preached to you with God's authority and now I don't live it, I owe it to you to confess my sin to you. You may not have to publicly confess your sin because you are not a public figure. I am the one always preaching at you, telling you to get your life right. Are you guys tracking with me? And so 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19 says, Those who sin are to be rebuked before all, that the others may take warning. Do nothing out of impartiality. So it doesn't matter if it's the worship pastor, the youth pastor, whoever has been a public figure in the church, when they sin and break their covenant, do things they're not supposed to, they should have public repentance. Now, is that a public lashing of the pastor? Does that mean we just say he's a miserable, terrible, rotten sinner? No, but let me give you an example of the one that's being exposed in Florida right now. He, he was an alcoholic, he was cheating on his wife, and he just kind of disappears. No, that man needs to stand before his congregation. Okay, and he needs to say, congregation, I have sinned. I have been a secret drunkard, and I have cheated on my wife. Would you please forgive me? That is a part of my healing. I will be stepping down now. I will not be coming back. I will go somewhere and get healed and learn to live like Jesus. But as a part of my healing to make this right, I have to say, I have sinned. Now, how many know in the body of Christ, like today, God forbid, if that would ever help happen here, if somebody came that real and correct, wouldn't you extend grace and forgiveness? You see, that's why I don't understand. I mean, that they're not trusting in God because that's what God said for us to do. Amen? Amen. And then moving along click, uh, quickly here, uh, number 19, what if someone is missing? How do I have closure or live in peace? Uh, you know, missing children reports, uh, people coming up missing. It, I mean, can you imagine having that happen in your life if your child went missing? Somebody wrote about that to me. I would say, number one, uh, you've got to keep hope alive because they can maybe come back. And if we look at Jacob, Jacob was told that his son Joseph was dead. But eventually we found out that he was alive, and Jacob kept living his life with hope in God. And I would encourage you to do that. Obviously, this may not happen to all of us here, but that is something we need to remember for those it does happen to, is that God is still with them. Amen? God is still with you. It's not an easy answer. Go forward with God. It says in the Bible that nothing can separate you from his love. 
And so if I ever have to counsel one of you through that or, or, you know, it happens, I would want to let you know that we can get through this. And the last thing we do is give up because if we die and they get found, they ain't going to have a mom or dad left. You know what I'm saying? Like if you commit suicide, oh, no, and you die, and then they go like, oh, they were down at an uncle's house, they're not going to have a mom or dad. You all tracking with me? Giving up is never the option, amen? Sometimes I hear about this seriously, like the fathers, you know, they're going through hard times that, you know, they can't provide for their family, so they commit suicide. Not what you want to do to help your family. Committing suicide will not help your family. Staying there, working through it will help your family. It would be better to be raising your kids in, in, in a one-bedroom apartment and you all just tell jokes all the time because you don't have no TV or no electricity, whatever, than for you to die and not be there for the kids because those kids will grow up out of that and tell some stories. Amen. They will make it. Would you stand to your feet as I get ready to read number 20? Would you bless them today? Amen. If you love Jesus. Band, would you come, please? Oh, good times. How can I show strangers the love of Christ without appearing overbearing or to be classified as poor myself? And I think what this person was asking here is like, hey, sometimes I help people and they think I'm poor or like I want something in return. How do I do that? Just don't care what they think. Help people. Okay, just help people. I don't care what people think when I help. And if they don't want my help, I'm going to find somebody else to help. I remember the first time I went to go feed the poor and all this, my mom and dad will tell you. You know, we grew up in the suburbs, and so here I am. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go feed the poor. And all I did was show up to, like, uptown of my neighborhood, like the downtown area where, like, the yuppies lived. And I didn't know because it's not like I was hanging around down there. So I started knocking on doors, and, like, these people are coming. And they're like, dude, we don't need your food. We're okay. I mean, do you see the house I'm living in here? But to me, it was because it was in the city. Okay, it was like they were in the city. They were poor, they were hurting, and they were drug dealers. And they're like, no, we're normal people. We just live in the city. And this was Fort Wayne, by the way. And I used to get scared coming to Chicago as a little kid driving here, seeing the big buildings, by the way, okay? So anyways, I was like getting all upset. Like I'm knocking on these people's doors and they don't want anything. Like they're like, I don't need it. So then finally, like literally to be sarcastic, when one of the people said it, because we were going door to door to door, I just looked at him. I go, okay, tell me, where are people who need food? And they're like, this neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, really? I was like scared because they said, go to the projects. But guess what? That's when Jesus started changing lives. That's when people started enjoying the ministry. Amen. I don't care what people think. Don't care what they think. It is help people. John Wesley said it like this. Do all the good you can to whoever you can, whenever you can, for as long as you can. Amen. And now I know what to say to them rich people that think they got it all together. Amen. Repent. That's why I say knock on your door. I ain't giving you groceries. Repent. It's my gift to you today. Merry Christmas. God bless you. You think I'm crazy. We did that, by the way. We did that. Three things to remember today. Number one, God's got your back. Psalms 145 says the Lord watches over us. Okay? So this was my attempt to cross a barrier today into your world. I wanted to encourage you with some things that you might be going through. And at the end here, I want you to remember God has got your back. Even if your pastor's not there to give you the 101 scriptures or to make you laugh through the pain, I want you to remember that God's got your back. He is with you on those long hours, those tough family reunions. Maybe some of you are going to be around family this Christmas. It's going to be hard. God is with you. Young people, God is with you. Number two, remember no matter what you're facing, God's word has the answer. 
You can do just what I did here, either online or at different websites, gotquestions.com, or find, you know, resources. And you can ask God for these resources from his word. Say, Lord, I'm struggling in my marriage. What does your word say about this? And you can go and read Ephesians chapter 5. You can say, God, I'm struggling with hope. You know, I'm getting depressed right now. You can go and read the Psalms and be encouraged. Never think you're alone and that God's word doesn't have an answer. And then number three, I want to close this out. Would you put it up there, please? Romans chapter 8. Nothing. Everybody say that with me. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Maybe you might say, Pastor, you talked about 20 things, but you missed my 20 things that are going on in my life. Then just hear this today because this will cover it all. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Has anybody faced that so much trouble that you've had to go naked? Okay, you ain't there yet, right? Somebody say amen. You ain't there yet. You had a good day. You got clothes on. That's what he's, you see how he summarizes it? He says, you might have trouble. You might have hardships. People may not like you. You may be going hungry. You may have it so bad you are that naked guy that I saw in India, homeless and on drugs and forsaken by his people because he's a leper. You may be that guy in danger of a sword fighting on a battlefield in Afghanistan. But this is what it says. You may face death all day long. We're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It doesn't matter who we are, what we're going through. We're more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you believe it, we give him a hand clap of praise. Come on, let's say thank you, Jesus. Let's pray today in closing. Father, I thank you that you gave me a heart for your people today, God. I kind of feel like undercover boss, God. I did it. I did it, Lord. I showed up for a week. I I got to feel what ordinary folk feel. But God, I pray as a pastor, you'll keep my heart sensitive that I'll never forget those things, God. But more importantly than what you did in me, Lord, I pray that you did something in everybody's heart here this morning. Oh, God, that you did something so important in their lives that they'll never be the same again. Berta, would you come and put this up for me? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you to bring your troubles to God right now. Right now, would you bring your troubles to God? Just with your head bowed and eyes closed, just say, Lord, I bring my troubles to you right now. Come on. I'm going to call up the altar workers in just a moment, but I want altar workers to go to the altar right now of their hearts. Come on. Right now, just in your own heart, say, Lord, I bring you my troubles. Think of them right now. Put them in your heart and present them. And now begin to say this with your hands raised if you can, just as a sign of surrender. Say, Lord, I believe you have the answer. Come on, I believe, God, you are the answer. I believe, God. Come on, would you raise up your hands and just begin to worship him, saying, Lord, I trust you. Come on, you don't need me to give you the karaoke prayer right now. Come on, pray. 
Just say, Lord, in your own words, I need you and I trust you. This will not separate me from your love. This will not, this will not take me out of your love. A few more moments right now. Oh God, we bring you our troubles. Would you put up the band a little bit? I just want to worship with you a few moments. Come on. God, we bring you our troubles. We bring you our heartaches. Bring you our situations, God. Whether it's sickness, whether it's sorrow, oh God, sin, whatever it is, depression, God. Oh God, raising children, all of our hardships. And we look to you, God. We look to you, God. You are able, Jesus. You are able, God. You make a way when there seems to be no way. Come on, band. Would you just worship singers with me now? Come on. You make a way when there seems to be no way. Let God move in this service before you leave. God's got your back. Worship Him. You might be in a valley. Would you worship Him anyways? You're going to go through this valley. You're going to go through this valley. All things are possible to those that believe. We put our hope in you. We put our trust in you. We give you our families. We give you our jobs. We give you this country. We're letting go. And we're letting God take over. Oh, let your heart arise. Let your heart arise. Soar on the wind. Come on with the eagles. Come on, somebody needs to soar on the wind with the eagles today above your troubles, above your situations. God watches over you. He knows you're going and coming. He knows all your ways. And He's a good God. He's good to you. He's good to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Though people may forsake you, God will never forsake you. He'll never leave you. Altar workers, would you come, please? Oh, can you say amen? Would you look up at me, please, as we get ready to close out? I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God just washing over my life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I hope that God's power is in your life right now, that you're sensing it. If you want us to agree with you in prayer for your miracle in any of those areas or a hundred other different ones, these prayer workers are here to do that with you today. I'm going to dismiss in prayer because God's got your back. And I'm going to ask you this month, during the time when people think about Jesus the most because they're saying his name, would you share that message with others? Say, man, God's got your back. Maybe you got a family member. They're telling you, I, I can't afford Christmas presents. We've never not had that in our house. You can just look them in the eyes and say, listen, brother, listen, sister. God's got your back. He's got your back. Would you hold somebody's hand right now as a family? We're going to close out in prayer. 
Hallelujah. Since we talked about Salvador in the warehouse, Salvador, would you just dismiss us in prayer and just pray that we'll all get it, that God's got our back. Lord, we glorify, O oh God. Lord Jesus, if you are with us, Lord, who can be against us, O oh God? Lord, today we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you will protect every person in this room, O oh God, that they will shine, O oh God, the light that you have given them, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh God, that, that they will recognize that we are not alone, Lord Jesus, that you are there with us, O oh Lord Jesus. We have come this far, O oh God, it's because of your goodness, O oh God. We are alive today, Lord, because of your goodness and your mercies, O oh God. Thank you for everything you have done for every person in this room, O oh God. We pray, O oh God, that you will keep transforming, O oh God, that you could that you could keep uh, being with them, O oh Lord Jesus. We with us, O oh God, we ask you, Lord, for your spirit to guide us in every situation in our lives, O oh Lord, that you'll be the one guiding us, Lord, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Bless him one more time today. Come on. Slap your neighbor high five and tell him God has got your back. Come on, tell him, tell him. We're going to be up here praying and worshiping, but otherwise you're dismissed. We'll see you at Life Group. God has got your back. Come on, and you got my back. Let's sing. <laughs>